Take from John chapter 16, verse 24. John chapter 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's just given them some fairly bad news like I'm going to die and you're going to be left on your own, which wasn't what they wanted to hear. And he said um, that, you know, I have to do this because there are better things ahead and if I don't do this, then they won't be attainable by you. And so in verse 24 he says, Until now you have not asked me for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered into the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. I haven't got a clue what they were saying there. I'm not sure they did. And Jesus says, you believe at last, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Father, As we reflect on Jesus' words, as we reflect on the words of your scriptures, we pray that you will open our minds and our hearts to understand what you are saying and doing and the incredible invitation we have to enter into heaven on earth, far beyond what maybe we've ever imagined. That the work of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is far, far more impacting than a mere theological discussion or spiritual option. It is life. It is truth. It is hope. And so we pray that you will maybe help us to, to, to process and get through some of our well-worn thoughts and find your heart and your thoughts today in a new way that our hearts will be set on fire for you. And we will know in a deeper way today what we have as we invite Jesus into our hearts and lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I've got this huge passion in me this morning to stir you up, but I don't want to stir you up and have you feel all guilty because as we know, guilt is not of God, is it? Yeah, might be. Conviction is God's guilt. Conviction is God's guilt. Satan uses guilt to keep you miserable. God uses guilt to just say, look, well, this is what you are, but this is what you can be. That's what we're really talking about this morning. So if you want to leave here with your ego intact, you might as well leave now, because by the time I'm finished, you're not going to have one. All right? Sorry about that, but that's just... uh, If you want your ego intact, then you'll end up, I'm afraid, probably like dear old Michael. You can't do it. And all life is about is what what needs to happen in order for you to know that you can't do it. I was sort of, I have this this ongoing um, renovation sort of going on at my, our house. And, um, and I was just... (laughs) Well, at least you're at, at least you're listening. Um, our house is a very, very, very fine house. We sing that song in a minute. And I've been sort of renovating an office space, um, and I was there, I think, putting up blinds last week. And suddenly there was this flapping of winds, and in flew a little bird. And it before you know, before I knew it, it was basically pressed up and flying up and down against the window. There's a little blue something or other. I don't know what it was. And it, you know, panicked. And it, it, it flies up against the window, pushes up and down. 
And then I um, come up to it and I always talk to these birds and say, don't be afraid, I'm going to, to rescue you. And I put my hands over them and it didn't try and struggle actually and I held it tightly in both hands and I carried it out the door and I stood in the forest there and I let it go. I loved that moment and it flew away free as a bird and I always think of God. And I think of God and I think of how God so loved this world where we are trapped in a 10 by 20 box that we think is life. And he walks in and we're up against the window panes and we're struggling. We're saying we want freedom. And people are taking photographs of the panic like they did with Michael Jackson for years. And Jesus comes into that and he, and he reaches out. And he says, if you let me, I can take you out of this place, not through suicide, but through my death so that you might be free in this world in a way you've never known. That's the testimony of a Christian. I used to be trapped. I used to be pressed up against a wall. I didn't know where to go. All I was trying to do was survive. And the love of God reached down and took hold of me and carried me to a place I could never get on my own. And I'm not the same anymore. Can't that make you weep for the world? For yourself? Have you ever been trapped in a room all your life? And the love of God comes and takes hold of you and takes you into a new place and you fly like you've never flown before. You don't have a testimony. It makes no difference to the people out there who don't know anything else. And we're embarrassed and afraid and say, I don't know what to say. And I go, God, set us free to enter into what you have done in our hearts and lives. We have words for the Michael Jacksons and the Farrah Fawcett's of life. Port Alberni is the highest village or town in one of the highest statistics in Canada for drug abuse, single mothers, alcoholism. We have something to say. John was writing, going through John. He's writing as an older man. And, you know, uh, I was given this passage to speak on today. And, of course, with the week's events, it's quite a passage. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lusts of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And I live in a world that I say, oh, he can't mean it. And I read that passage and I go, I feel like I'm going to stand up this morning and speak to people and they're going to say, like I would say, oh, you're such a killjoy. Don't be so religiously narrow. Come on, lighten up. It's not that bad. And then I go, well, take God out of this world and go to Rwanda in a genocide or a Michael Jackson for five or ten or fifteen years in a drug act. Go to all these places and you'll see the world. And then go to the rest of the world and see a numbness that hovers over where survival is the way we live. And these two worlds are overlapping. The kingdom of God is a world where God is God. The kingdom of darkness is a world where God is not present. We've talked about Egypt and the promised land overlapping. Somebody better answer it. <laughs> Who blinked? There are two worlds that are going on all the time. 
And these worlds are, li- worlds are like oil and water. They don't mix. They cannot mix. When Jesus came into the world, he was like oil coming into a water world. He cannot mix. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about us understanding the world, the kingdom that God has brought in through Jesus. Because I spent years thinking I could mi- we could mix. I spent years not believing it. I spent years thinking, you know, come on, lighten up, don't be so religious. But it's just oil and water. You can't mix them. They're too different. They've got totally different priorities. The world in which we live, that is the world without God, is what? It's governed by feelings. It's governed by a paranoid desire for success that gives me a sense of self-worth. It's totally obsessed with material success, material stuff. It's a world of comfort. It's a world of selfishness. It's a world of self-gratification. It's a world that says you better do the best you can right now because there's nothing else beyond this. It's a world that lives from the inside, from the outside in. And that's why our world is full of bites of sound, bites of experience, bites of stuff. And when you live in that kind of world, what you put on the inside are drugs to keep you satisfied or to numb out what voices come back to you. So, in this world you're screwed. You make the best of it. If you don't make the best of it, you die and you die anyway. Slavery is the place of this world. Slavery to addiction, slavery to other people's opinions, slavery of every form to your job, slavery to your insecurity, slavery to money, slavery to your looks, slavery to your lack of looks, slavery to a thousand and one things. That's what this world has. It's fallen. It's broken. It can't fix you. You're part of the problem. It doesn't, it doesn't mix with the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came into this world and he said, I am the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. He came into this world as nobody else had ever been in this world and he, he said, I don't dance to the drummers that keep you obsessed with the wrong kind of movement. I listen to my father. My father loves me. My father has a purpose for me. My father protects me. My father looks after me and over me. And I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to walk among you and I'm going to show you the kingdom. And where there's disease, I will bring healing and say, well, that's what my father does. My father is powerful. The kingdom of heaven is powerful. Where it comes against sickness and disease, which is a manifestation of evil and darkness, it just repels it and says, let my children go. You have no right to be sick in that person. And he demonstrated the power and the love of the Father to people who hadn't got a clue what it was about. He said, that's what God's like. God is coming to reclaim what has been lost. He's not coming to bargain. He's not coming to say, if you don't mind. He's coming to reclaim. And he just says, out. Be gone. Be still. Come out. And he speaks with authority. Like he's God. Like he's the king of kings. Like he actually owns the place. And he says, don't be afraid. You are living as slaves and you are children of the king of kings. Come out and be children. Rediscover the identity you've never had. This is good news. Good news with great joy. As we saw a few weeks ago with old Micron there. Related to Johann Sebastian Bach. He loves me mentioning this, so I just keep in his good books by doing it every week. But the, 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 the idea that his DNA goes back to Johann Sebastian Bach and through no credit to him whatsoever, Micron, he basks in that. And that's what Jesus did. He says, you are related and you are created for a purpose of the living God. Everything beautiful in this world that you see is a rusty, polluted remnant of the beauty of God. That's your dad. That's the one who loves you. Why would you be afraid of him? 
And Jesus came and said, he's calling you to himself. He's calling you to himself. Come out of the world of darkness. Come into the world of light. But we are so impregnated with the fallenness of the world in which we live. We think it's the real thing, which is the height of abuse, actually. People who are most damaged think that their damage is irreparable and there is no hope for them. People who are most lost and most wounded and most destroyed think there is, there is no hope for them. They think that where they are is truth and there is, no, there is no place for them. And Jesus came and said, yes, there is. I'll just say quickly some of the things Jesus said. He says, I am the light of the world. I have overcome the world. Satan has no hold over me. The world has no hold over me. And all he's saying is, I see it for what it is. It's rebellion and emptiness and nothingness. It's meaningless. He says the world is a place of battling for power. And he says there's no contest here. I have overcome the world. He says in Matthew 16, if you seek the world... What will it gain a person if you seek all the success of the world and you lose your soul? Michael Jackson had more money. His, his thriller is, I think, sold 75 million. And I think it's, a, it's, it's ten times more than anybody else has done. There couldn't be more adulation and richness given to any human being than Michael Jackson received. But inside there was a man or boy saying, does anybody love me? Very abused by a father. And very abused in all kinds of ways. And because creativity and, and giftedness like he had is also incredibly fragile, the same sensitivity that releases the gifting releases the curse. He couldn't live under it. As I say to all of these rock stars about them, I say, Michael Jackson was created by God to be a worship leader. He knows that now. What a tragedy. I look at that and I go, there's no contest. There's nothing attractive there. On a, when, I'm, when I'm sitting down evaluating that I want, that I can't say, God, this, you have so much more. Jesus said, uh, you, do, you do not belong to this world. In this world you will have trouble. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Paul wrote and said, the wisdom of this world is foolishness. In Timothy he said, you brought nothing into this world and you will take nothing out of it. Paul later said, and he was very, very intelligent, very well educated, had all the kinds of right connections, and he said, I counted all as nothing, as rubbish, other than to know Jesus. And Jesus promised, seek first his kingdom and you will get everything else. There are two worlds, one is dark and one is light. The only place the light is found is in Jesus Christ. The darkness is plentiful, it's everywhere. You can try and push back the darkness through your efforts, but it'll kill you. Or you can come to the light and let it push it back because it's much stronger. Do you know about the kingdom of darkness? It's easy to prove this one. It's easy. I was thinking about this and saying, why don't we have some testimonies? Why don't we have some testimonies this morning? You can come up and you can testify to the worst thing you've ever done in your life, the thing that is your secret. The thing that if I said right now, we're going to flash on the screen your whole life and we're going to start with the thing that is the darkest. What would be going on in you right now? 
you want to know what the kingdom of darkness is like, tap into that. And you'll come against fear and shame, embarrassment, awkwardness, all kinds of stuff. Wonder what kind of darkness is in here? Abuse, alcoholism, addictions, pornography. I could name lots of them, couldn't I? And all I'm doing by doing that is describing darkness. Because darkness hides. Darkness is uncomfortable. Darkness is the place where self-indulgence and addictions try and meet our cravings and they just suck us deeper and deeper and deeper. And the testimony of darkness is silence, defensiveness. And Jesus said, well, I am the light of the world. And when the light comes, the darkness is cast out. And the darkness is cast out and Jesus says, the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. What is the truth for these kingdoms? Because there's a kingdom of darkness that says money will set you free. The kingdom of light says no, it won't. So Jesus came in and said, well, there's good news and bad news. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, there's darkness in everyone. And God said, only those without any darkness can come into heaven. So heaven was pretty empty. But he so loved the world that he said, I will send my son to deal with that debt so that I can reverse it and say, if you come to my son, the lights will go on and you can come because I love you. But justice has to happen. So he says, I have overcome the world. And when he rose from the dead, from crucifixion, when he rose from the dead, there was a celebrity. What a comeback, if I was speaking to a young audience. What a comeback, what a celebrity. He rose from the dead and he said, here I am. And he said, I've overcome the world. I have overcome everything that is overcoming you right now. And I'm inviting you to enter into my strength and my life and my truth. But the truth that you need to hear is that apart from me you can't do it. And the truth you need to hear is that there's only one place to deal with your darkness and that is at the cross where I paid the price for your rebellion and your sin and your arrogance and your whatever it is that it is. The cross is the entranceway from the world of darkness into the world of light. There's no other way. You could come up here and share maybe your darkest secret if you've come to the cross. Why? Because when you come to the cross and you give God your sin, he takes away the poison and the shame and you're just actually agreeing with him that you were, you're an idiot or you were rebellious. And so you can stand up and say, yes, I was. I used to be addicted to pornography or I used to do this or I used to do that, but now I don't. Or at least I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. Because Jesus touched my heart. I am a sinner. And as Paul said, I'm the greatest of sinners. I, my ego is not attached to my performance at this point. So therefore I can say before you, I am a sinner. I am guilty of sin, some of which would shock you. But Jesus set me free. And I agree with him that I need him as a saviour. So I'm willing to share with you my struggles in order that you might be encouraged to come to him with yours. I'm no longer ashamed because my identity is not in my perfection. My identity is that I have been found by a loving God. And my encouragement is that Christians aren't perfect people. They're just people who are learning how to follow a God who has loved them to death and life again. And that's a cool testimony. It's about a little bird trapped 
in a place they can't get out of. They didn't mean to get into it. It's what happened. And the loving God, who instead of crushing them, took them outside and said, Now live as I created you to live. He didn't sit there and spend 15 years talking about truth. He did something. It's all about identity. I want to end, which in my language means about another 10 minutes, um, to, to, to try and put this in a picture form that comes out of the Bible that you've, we've talked about before, but I really believe, Walter, this is where you're meant to stay. <laughs> I'm teasing you, sort of. Um, this is really what I believe God's saying to this church and to you and me right now. It's a very, very cool word. But it's not cool if you want to stay the same or if you want to keep your ego intact and you want to have control. I mean, it's not cool. But for the rest, it is, it is excitingly, profoundly, challenging, exhilarating good news. In the Bible... We go right back to Egypt. God took the little birds and he brought them out of the, the darkness into the light, as it were. He led them from slavery. They had cried out to him for freedom. And as we've talked many times, their greatest problem was knowing how to enter into the freedom they cried out for. Because it demanded that there was transition in their own hearts and lives. And they had to do things. There's amazing things going on here now. And God loved them enough to draw them out. And they came to the border of the promised land, which was his gift to them. And as you know, because I've said this a thousand times, they looked over at this promised land and they didn't see club meds. They didn't see lounge chairs and, uh, and martinis and swimming pools and mansions. God, they saw a, a land that was flowing, they said, with milk and honey. But there were also people living in there who were eating the milk and honey because they were squatting on God's land. And God said to them, he said, you go in, I've given you this land, now you go in and possess it. You go in and take it. And they said, Why did you ever bring us out of Egypt? Those people are bigger than us. We feel like grasshoppers in their sight. I believe God's saying to you and me this morning, If I have set you free, how are you living? Are you living as a giant or are you living as a locust, a grasshopper? I call my people to be giants. I believe God's saying, you talk and sing like a giant, but you live like a locust. And it's time to become who I created you to be. It's time for you to enter into the inheritance in a new way. Tell me something. Do you know the difference between a grasshopper and a giant? I mean, would you have to go to school? Would you have to have some lessons in, in human biology to be able to tell the difference between a grasshopper and a giant? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's obvious. We have got deceived in the church to so respect and be so politically correct that now we even don't know how to talk about the difference between somebody who's a giant and somebody who's a locust. You can tell by the way they look. You can tell by the, what they do. 
So are you a giant or are you a grasshopper? David and Goliath. David was apparently the grasshopper. Goliath was apparently the giant. The whole place was intimidated. And David came and said, my God is faithful. He has protected me against the bear and the lion and I can take this guy out. And I also have God's prophetic word over me. And if you've heard Graham Cook, he always says this, you know. So it sucks to be Goliath right now because I'm promised to be king. And David knew who he was. And because he knew the hand of God in him, he knew the spirit of God in him, and he knew the God's faithfulness, David faced Goliath. And David was the giant. And he knew that Goliath was the grasshopper. That's what God is calling us to be. Peter, before the crucifixion, ran away out of fear when he was asked by somebody, didn't you know this guy, Jesus? By a little girl. You've got a Galilean accent, don't you, one of them? Six, seven, eight weeks later, he stood up. Could have been killed right there. And he said, this God who you killed is the one I follow. And he spoke so powerfully that 3,000 people said, what do we have to do? And he said, repent and be baptized. On one side of the cross, Peter was a grasshopper. On the other side, he was a giant. He lived out his life as a giant. Where do you want to be? It's time. God's not going to bring people into this church. Unless... Giants go out and get them. Let's think quickly about locusts and grasshoppers. What do they do? They go around in swarms. They're very small. They devour things. They're plagues of locusts and all they do is feed and reproduce. They take comfort in numbers. They don't stand out from each other. They're the status quo. They wouldn't go anywhere alone. Wouldn't take any risks. Their whole lives are about surviving and keeping themselves alive. Isn't that a cool vision for your life? Church is full of grasshoppers. Jesus died for my sin. Now he's, you know, he's going to look after my parking places and make sure that I have a job and everything's going to go well. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Christian or non-Christian, you will have trouble, but I will be with you. And that is where you will show and demonstrate the power of the living God that's true. I'm not talking about drawing people to myself so they can cluster in worship, lie on the ground and soak in prayer and wander around insignificant and terrified of the world and go, I don't have anything to offer. Jesus didn't go to the cross or rise again for that. That's kind of grasshopper Christianity. It's insipid. It's why the world, in the Western world, is totally unattracted to it. Because he says, you call yourself a Christian, but you look just like me. I mean, I know I'm a grasshopper. You talk like a giant, but you look like a grasshopper. Nothing's attractive to me in your work. All you do is have a big mouth and you talk, 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 but look at you. I just go like this and you run. And you seem to be chasing the same things I'm chasing. You're chasing your pension. You're chasing all the material stuff. You don't look any different to me. So what do I conclude? You just talk. You're insecure. You need God as a crutch. I don't see transformation in your life. I don't see when you're suffering, you don't sound any different to me. When other people are nasty to you, you seem to curse them worse than I do. I don't see this power. I don't see any transformation. I see nothing attractive. 
You talk about light and salt and forgiveness, but I don't see it. And Jesus just said to us, you know what? That is true. That is true. But if you understand that you are an earthen vessel and in me you, are, you have treasure, you can come to terms with all of that. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And there's nothing more pathetic than Christian locusts. Christian locusts are people who take what they can out of the Bible and Jesus for themselves, but they give none of it away. So they remain as locusts. And God said, I want you to walk into that land and I want you to be giants. And I want you to understand that the world around you are actually the locusts and you are the giants. As I live in you and only as I live in you, that is where you will get your status, your security, your power, your presence. What is it? Let's quickly talk about giants. Giants stand out. They're visible. Giants can see a lot further than the locust. They have vision. They have strength. They have confidence. They have something to offer. They draw people around them because there's a security in their stature. And they take the promised land one step at a time. And they say, we know this God. And let's eat the milk and honey and let's share it and let's take it. And we haven't any time to waste. They know their authority and their strength. So what do you think God's saying to us? What do you think he's saying? Giants have a memory. Giants have a memory of when they were locusts. It's a good title to a book, When We Were Locusts. Or When I Was a Caterpillar. The world is desperately, desperately hungry to hear the testimonies of butterflies and giants saying, why don't you come this way because you can be this as well. And my testimony to you is, I was crawling up a tree and God showed me that I needed to die and then I would become something I never thought I could be. And I had to take the risk. And I used to be on the ground terrified of everybody and everybody what else everybody else thought. And God helped me come to terms with that. And now I stand and I'm much more confident. I have something to say and I want to say it. And I'm saying, Lord, I want to be used by you. I'm a giant. Not because the memory of giants is that I knew I was a grasshopper. And now what I see happening in me is all because of God in me. So I can live with my weakness and his strength in harmony. And I have something to say. And I speak with integrity because I confess my brokenness and I bear witness to the living God. And the people in front of me go, you're different. And I don't stand up because I don't need to be on a pedestal. I just go, that's just God. Let me tell you, it's not me. It is me, but it's not me. You know what I mean? Salty Christians make other people thirsty. Giants know about grace and mercy. They know about the power of forgiveness. They know about the power of the Spirit to heal. They have tasted and seen something of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And they said, that is a wonderful reality. That's where I want to live. You don't have to wait till you die. You don't have to kill yourself. Jesus has died so that we might live now into eternity. I want to, my prayer is that I'll talk like a giant and live like a giant and sing like a giant. It's what I want to be. Because of what Jesus has done in me. Jesus said in John 14, you can't do anything without me. The stuff is impossible without me. But he did say, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my commandment, love each other. 
God will give us whatever we ask in his name when our hearts are set on obedience to him and sharing his love with others. He will not give whatever we ask in, our na- is in his name if all I want is to, like a little locust, hoard and have it for me. Make me well first, Lord, then I will go out. He says, I won't do that. You serve me and I will heal you in the serving. I'm never going to make you look perfect. But I will glorify myself in your weakness. You will be a giant to others. As Moses was to Pharaoh, he said, you are like a God to me. Moses would never have said that for himself. And I believe what God is saying to you and to me this morning is, what do you want to be more of? Because if you want to be giants, you can be giants. If you want to live as locusts, well, I'll wait until you want to be a giant. Let's stand. There is nothing, nothing, nothing in this, what I'm saying this morning. It's a two-edged sword, there's no question, all right? There's a two-edged sword. Because what you're getting this morning is you're going to have to own what you want. I mean, if you want to settle for what you have, then just sit down and settle for it. But uh, I want you to be uncomfortable with that. I want you to know. Um, there's some, actually, just sit down for one minute. I need to say one more thing to you. Sorry about that. False alarm. But you stretched a little bit. Now we can go on for another half hour. No, relax. Don't worry. Um, the, thing, the thing that I really needed to say was um, Jesus said, uh, the truth will set you free. And there is a truth to this that is really, really important. The truth is that we are sinners and we need forgiveness and we need healing. We are locusts. We need the power of God. And so there is a truth that we need to learn to speak to each other because I think one of the problems in our Christian culture is we don't speak truth. We actually protect one another from the Spirit of God way too much. We're too politically correct. We need to speak 80% of the truth of God which says, do you know who God calls you to be? Do you know what he wants you to rise up to? It needs to be positive, encouraging, constructive stuff. But there is a truth that is also balancing with that, saying, how long are you going to be a jerk? How long are you going to carry on with this attitude? How long are you going to do this with your money? How long are you going to... There's a part of us that needs to speak truth to each other that's a challenge. But we can only do that if we're speaking the 80%. That's encouragement. But those two sides of truth are very, very important. When we see the locust emerging in one another, the grasshopper emerging, we need to call that out and say, hey, what's that grasshopper doing there? thought you were a giant. When the giants, they say, bring, come forth, giant. You can do this. You're bold. You can do this stuff. Oh, I can't. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the Spirit of God in you. So you help each other reframe stuff. And so, of course, you can. No, you can't. You can. You can't. You can. That's how it works. Right? Just need to share that. Now we can stand up and talk to God. The reason we stand up is just because it feels like, you know, I'm not the only one. And it's also a bit more proactive. And it's also, I've already told you, I'm not talking to the air. I'm speaking from my own experience and conviction what I believe God's saying. And I'm saying, this is cool news. Because God's really looking out over us and saying, I am seeing a people who can actually transform this culture. And I'm seeing a people who, if I'm able to use them, I mean, it took far less people than this for him to change the world. And so I think there's some things that God's speaking to us this morning about. The one is, where do you feel like a grasshopper? And will you bring that to the cross right now? Where, Where do you feel like a grasshopper in a situation or relationship or aspect of your life where you keep on second guessing and you say, well, they think this. And you have this very, very low self-esteem and this very, very defeated approach to your situation. 
And that's quite frankly a lie. It comes from darkness. It's not of God. So I think it's, if, you know, if I were you, I'd just tell him that. So, Lord, I, I just bring you this area of my life or this attitude or this self-esteem issue or this place where I am. Maybe it's with my spouse. Maybe it's with work. Maybe it's with my children where I just feel defeated. I d- nothing happens. I feel like a grasshopper. I feel like a grasshopper who keeps talking about Jesus to myself because I haven't got the guts to talk to anybody else. And I keep praying, oh, God, please do something. And he's actually saying, I am, but you won't open your mouth. You won't do anything. So, I can't. you know, it gets complicated. So he says, if I can actually release the grasshopper to step into the identity of a giant, I can answer the prayers of the locust or the grasshopper through their giant status in the kingdom of heaven. So the best place to come is bring the grasshopper mentality to the cross, confess it, because he's not accusing you, he's just saying if you want some help, this is how to do it. Bring it to the cross and then let me release my love and power for the giant to rise up on the other side. That's God's promise to you. He said, ask anything in my name and I'll give it. So it's yours for the taking today because God is very generous and he loves you. And why on earth wouldn't he want to give you the things of the Spirit to give you courage and power and boldness and identity if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children? The only thing will stop you is pride and arrogance. And you've got to deal with that yourself. But Holy Spirit, I pray now that you will just release us to bring you the stuff that gives us the grasshopper identity or mentality. And thank you that you just say, I know that already and I'm so glad you're bringing it to me because I love doing this stuff. So just bring him the stuff. In Greek word, it's just bring him the crap. And say, Father, I'm so tired of wrestling with this. It might even be, I don't even believe in you. I don't even know how to believe in you. And I'm tired of the struggle. And he says, well, why don't you just bring me your unbelief? Why don't you just bring me your despondency? Why don't you bring me your tiredness? Why don't you bring me the fact that you don't even believe I'm going to do anything if I do anything today? Just be present with me authentically. I love you. I love you. I hear the cry of your heart. And I hear the way that you try and fix yourself and those around you. And I say, dearly beloved, trust me. Dearly beloved, come to me. And let me work in you so that we can work together in other places. Stop trying to get me to work in others without allowing me to work in you. And some things I will strengthen you to endure for a while. Other things I will break through for you. But you will have trouble in this world. And I will bring you strength and power to live in this world in the midst of trouble as a giant. So bring me the trouble. And then as you give to him the stuff that you need to, that you're defeated by or overcome by, receive from him your giant status. Receive from him his spirit that says, I will give you new vision. Not tomorrow, I give it to you right now. I give it to you right now. You have it. If you ask, receive. Thank him. Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your life in me. Thank you that in me right now you have given me the power to be the giant you call me to be in the situation I've just brought before you. I don't know how it's going to work out. It might be I need to be a giant of love or forgiveness or long-suffering. It might be grace and mercy. I don't know. But Jesus, thank you that you say yes to me. I'm tired of living out of my head. So I pray that you release in my spirit and my heart the life of Jesus that shows that you live. 
And I'd encourage you, give God permission to upgrade your status as his child. God is saying to some of us, you know, I'm tired of relating to you like a three-year-old. I'm actually wanting to speak to you as a warrior now or an adult. I want to actually go further with you. So receive from him the identity he has for you. And he says, the promised land, wherever it is for you right now, it's right in front of you. And in front of you are two things. In front of you are milk and honey. And in front of you are grasshoppers that look to you like giants. They're circumstances in your life. Now, we've already given him other stuff, but this is really important. And he says, I want you to go in and take possession of that land that is possessed by somebody else right now. In other words, I want you to be proactive. I want you to say to me, Lord, use me as part of the solution. And I want you to face your fear so that I can prove to you that I'm faithful. But if you wait for me to take away fear without you taking a step, you will never get across this river. You will become a prisoner. You will be a prisoner to fear. And God won't give us more than we can handle. It's just about us making choices with our wills. Saying, am I faithful or am I not faithful? Will I be your God or won't I be your God? If you want the milk and honey, then you're going to have to learn to defeat the enemy. And the enemy is already defeated because of my cross. All I need are people who are giants to go in there and say, I know you're defeated, now get out. And you will see them scatter. So Holy Spirit, we pray for one another now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you release boldness and a new sense of identity into each one of our hearts and lives. Now, I can pray that as much as I want, but unless we receive it, it doesn't happen because we have free will. So thank Jesus for what he's making you to be, what you have become in him. You are not a locust. You are not a grasshopper. You are a giant because Jesus has gone to the cross and raised you up. And like Peter, you have a message. You have a hope. You have a life. You have a joy. You have a truth that nobody has other than those who follow Jesus. You have good news for those around you. You are light and bread for them. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just continue to work in us and through us to make these words true in our lives. And that this week we will have a sense of new boldness, a new expectancy, a new sense of authority and identity. And so we pray for that for one another and we bless you for the hope that you have given us in Jesus. Amen.